0: Hello, everyone. I'm Dana Stewart-Bullock, and this is Transformational Therapeutics. Today, Rebecca and I continue our conversation about the self. In this episode, we concentrate on functional ways to improve our understanding of ourself and ways to grow from that understanding.
1: Hi, Dana. Hi, Rebecca. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So today is part two of self. So, if you did not listen to last week's episode, we strongly recommend that you go ahead and do so. And for that being said, if today is your first episode tuning into Transformational Therapeutics, we also recommend that this podcast be listened to from episode one on as we build upon concepts. Now, that being said, if you really feel drawn to this episode and you just cannot wait and you need to listen to this episode, you'll still get something great out of it, we promise. But it would be best to go back to episode one, so last episode we talked about self in how it develops from infancy, so tell us what we're talking about today.
0: We're talking about the aspect of our self that is unconscious, mm. and actually runs about ninety to ninety five percent of what we do right, that part that part, yeah <laughs> just a little of that. <laughs> Do you have a, is there a definition? Well, my background is with Carl Jung. So that's whom I like to quote. Mm. And his original idea of the self was as a central regulatory and ordering principle of the unconscious psyche. So that's his definition of the self, Mm. that it's a a central regulatory principle. It's not something concrete. Okay. And he talked about people confusing self-knowledge with knowledge of their conscious ego personalities. I remember when I did the esoteric healing class and Brenda talked about on the ancient schools of healing in Egypt, they all had printed man, know thyself. So I think in that context, we're talking about the unconscious self and bringing it to consciousness because it does influence us so profoundly. And we oftentimes don't know what we're being influenced by or why.
1: Absolutely. And so
0: I've found that it empowers one to have an understanding of the forces that are internally driving us.
1: Absolutely.
0: Jung talks about that anyone who has ego consciousness, so the ego is the I am, the personality piece of us, takes it for granted that he knows himself.
1: Ooh, that's very true.
0: But the ego knows only its own contents, not the unconscious and its contents.
1: Also so true
0: he says that people measure their self-knowledge by what the average person in their social environment knows of himself, but not by the real psychic facts, which for the most part are hidden from us. Mm. And so he says, in this respect, the psyche behaves like the body of whose physiological and anatomical structure, the average person knows very little too.
1: So true. (laughs) For myself, I teach meditation and I teach journaling and I teach self reflection and so I teach exploring the internal thoughts but then I also teach observing and experiencing the internal self through meditation so a lot of these things that you're that you're sharing is so true I know for myself when I came to meditation before I had done any of that work I believed myself to be a lot of the things that were merely just stress that was built up in my in my body but I I thought that that was my identity. That, like that first statement that you said, that I, that self thought that I knew myself until I started realizing that those were just layers that were peeled away, and there was much deeper things available underneath. And and
0: it's interesting that you took that route. I took the route of um, dreams and dream interpretation, Mm. and according to Jung, one of the best ways to find out what's happening in your psyche is through dream imagery and dream interpretation. So you're doing it with meditation, and I did it with dreams. So it's really going into another, in many ways, dimension Absolutely. to learn more about your true self and your true unconscious self.
1: Mm. Could you tell us a little bit about the dream work? My
0: understanding is, in this paradigm of Jung, that in a dream... Everything or every person in the dream is an aspect of yourself. So it's actually, Clarissa Pinkola Estes talks about dreams being a letter from home. Mm -hmm. And so it's a way of becoming more conscious of the forces that are driving you. I have been in Jungian analysis, but when I first started this, I gathered all kinds of books of symbolism. So what I would do is I'd have a dream and I would immediately write it down upon wakening. And sort of knowing that everything in the dream was an aspect of me, I would start looking up the symbolism of the different characters or things in the dream. And when I would look them up in books of symbolism, dictionaries of symbolism, there would be oftentimes different definitions. And the one that sort of felt right to me was the one I would use to interpret my dream.
1: Mm, I love that.
0: I've said over and over, I was raised by books. So I just sort of go to the books and look up the symbolism. In the context of seeing it as a letter from home, oftentimes, I would go to sleep at night and ask a question before I went to sleep. And the dream would give me the answer. So it would be an answer from my unconscious that I would then have to interpret. And in interpreting it, I would have a better understanding of whatever situation I was in or problem I was working on.
1: I, I've, you've shared this with me before, and I love the piece of choosing the thing that, that jumps out at you. Uh, When you're looking up symbolism and everything. But I also really, I've shared with other people what you've taught me about to look at all parts of the dream as aspects of yourself, which really does go hand in hand with what we were talking about last episode in regard to the self, that we come into this world believing that every single thing around us is, we don't differentiate ourselves from our surroundings. And also, even just through the model of transformational therapeutics, if you see people around you as an aspect of yourself to learn from, to represent something, to if you see symbolism, if you see language, if you see everything around you as opportunities to learn, then that is so marvelous. So, translating that to dreams really is just makes so much sense and takes it to a whole new level
0: and and I found it very empowering and what will happen is that whatever symbol definition that you choose because it has it has a resonance with you mm. will actually correspond with your level of consciousness at that time right you might go back years later and reinterpret it because you have more knowledge base but in the in the I found it very comforting and very empowering to be able to interpret the dreams
1: absolutely ever since you've started teaching this to me I think in the past, when I would have a dream that just hit me so strong and I felt the need to go and look it up, I would look up definitions of dreams and all of that kind of thing. And it always felt almost scary to me. I don't know if that's just me or not, but it felt more more something outside of myself telling me who I was versus the way that you taught it to me was I get to learn all of these things are a part of me, not this outside thing that's coming into my mind when I'm sleeping and it's scary and and whatever, but it's a, a really empowering experience to get to know myself.
0: I've also, over time, with physical symptoms, asked for a dream to explain them, and then they have changed. I was horseback riding, learning to horseback ride at one point, and I got home and I was so sore. The muscles in my legs were so sore. So I asked to be shown, what does this mean? And I don't remember the exact dream, but what I came up with the next day was it had to do with horses represent power. And I saw the pain that I was having in my legs as resistance to my own power and my own forward movement. Mm. And once I understood that, it literally changed my physiology. And I woke up with no pain. So I've sort of played around with that also. With different outbreaks of something on my skin or pains or whatever.
1: Wow, that's...
0: It doesn't always work. Sure. But it's fun.
1: Yeah, it is fun. It's something new to play with. And I think coming full circle, this is... You've just shared with us one method, one functional tool to use to help reach that 95% of the self that we aren't conscious of. And what drives us. Right.
0: In that instance, if I think about horses in that instance representing my own power and me being in charge of a horse and my own power, but I also started looking at pain as resistance. Mm. So I redefined pain. And then when I had the symptoms change in my own physiology, that to me was golden. That just meant I was on the right track. Right. So that's sort of how I combine all the different aspects of this model to help myself feel and move forward.
1: Right. This, I mean, this episode we're talking about, really, we're talking about transformational therapeutics because that's what it's really doing, right? It's a tool, a model to help us get to what is driving us, discover what that is, and change it if we so choose. Transform it if we so choose. Exactly. Exactly. Can we call upon... Some other ways that we can use transformational therapeutics to get to know the self, the the true nature of ourselves so that we can become full of ourselves and show up in the world in the way that we want to show up in our physiology in the way that we want to, in our relationships. Like how, can, how else can we use transformational therapeutics? Talking more about the why to get to know the inner self, self to bring it out, to discover it.
0: So for me, the why is really about skill development and power, that I, in different arenas, have more internal power. If I go back to the development of the self as an infant, when it is supposed to be developed in a way that you become full of yourself and powerful, which means full of ability as a baby. That was not something that I received. And so I've actually spent my life trying to correct that. Mm. And that's how this model was born. These are tools that I've gathered and developed from everywhere that I possibly can. And for me to have an understanding of the forces, the unconscious forces that drive us that are ourselves, gives me a sense of ease, comfort, and power. That allows me to be more efficient in the world itself and in relationships, in every aspect of life.
1: Absolutely.
0: And what what the world throws at us being in this world and the traumas and dramas and whatever to have skill in the face of them to me is just really important.
1: For sure, because the more skill that you develop, the more power you have, the more you can be there for yourself through anything. And the more you can move through obstacles rather than see them as complete stops. And on the other side of those obstacles are often more discoveries about yourself, a stronger sense of self, a stronger connection to things that are important to you, maybe that you didn't even know about.
0: And it enables me to help others. I mean, that's really been my focus, is to serve. And I can't serve others if I'm not serving myself. I've never asked anybody to do anything that I haven't already done with myself. So I have an understanding of it. I remember many years ago, Brenda Johnston, who taught esoteric healing, said there are four questions we all should answer while we're on the planet. (laughs) Who are you? Where did you come from? Why are you here? And where are you going? At that point in the 80s, I answered it. And the answers have slightly altered over time. But they are four really good questions to ask yourself.
1: Absolutely. They're big questions. I feel mean, like a lot of us might have a question mark at the end of those, those questions. But I think that's a, a powerful thing to ask. And it's interesting to come back to last week's episode about Self, that just further, further showing, like what you just shared, that you cannot serve others if you're not serving yourself first. And the way that we learned that a a mother who's dysregulated and doesn't and is disconnected from herself really can't regulate her child with the skills that she doesn't have. And that pattern just keeps going and going and going. So by knowing that, to me, that just gives me so much more inspiration to lean into the discomfort of looking at a dream that might have scared me or something like that, or lean into the discomfort of getting curious about something that held a charge in a conversation that I had with somebody that, huh, maybe that's something within myself that I can explore and I can heal. Because what if I do, then maybe that means that I can heal something within me and then also help others do the same.
0: And can I go back a bit to the dream interpretation? I neglected to mention this when you just said, instead of the dream causing me to be fearful, Mm. I found that in dreams that what the dream was explaining was a feeling that I had. So if I had a feeling of if I woke up in terror, the dream was actually explaining to me where the terror came from, Mm. if I could interpret the dream. Mm. And so it was a way of assuaging my own terror. If I woke up in joy, the dream had to do with that. So the dream actually explains an emotion that you're having. And if you go to sleep asking, let's say you have a fear, asking about the fear and you have the dream, that will be the answer. You may not be able to interpret it, but you can start. It applies to the emotion that actually that you wake up with.
1: Mm -hmm. So if you wake up with a nightmare or whatever, then that's an indication that the dream was showing you something that you've been afraid of.
0: Or that the fear applies to. A nightmare is fear. I mean, it's just right. pure fear.
1: Right. So and it's so explaining
0: in its own lang- dream language what the fear is about.
1: Question. What if you don't dream?
0: Everybody dreams. We're afraid everybody dreams. Not everybody remembers remember- it. Yeah, you can train yourself, you can ask to to be shown, it it takes perseverance, Mm. because I thought I never dreamt. And then there was a long period of time, probably 25 years where I dreamed a lot. I don't dream as much now. I'm not sure if that's because of how old I am, or because I'm doing all this other work. But you can train yourself to dream Mm. and usually you dream in what's called the hypnagogic state which is the state between sleep and wake it's Mm. during i think it's during REM sleep but it's usually early in the morning right before you wake up right that you're dreaming and dreams also have a function of clearing stuff out and the And the way I interpret them is from a Jungian standpoint, so that may be different from other people's, but this sure. is what has worked for me
1: sure well, and i just I just love it as as a tool, whether it's something you're familiar with or not to me, it was like a exciting new way to interpret dreams and to me it was a no-brainer to give it a shot like like, why not right (laughs) let me just let me just explore for a moment and imagine if every single object and everything in this dream were a representation of me what could i learn with this and that'll take me places which and then sometimes when
0: i couldn't really come up with a good definition or a good um symbolic uh definition i would just call a friend and say let's say i dreamt of a What does a bat mean to you? And she would reel off and it's like, oh, there's one. So it's not always in the
1: dictionary, but you just keep asking. Yes, you've. I'm so glad you brought that up because you've shared that with me before, and you've done that with me too over the years. That you'll just randomly say, "Well, hey, what does this mean to you?" And I love that because I think that's something that never would have occurred to me to do. I, I know that that's something that would never would have occurred to me before you. you because me people that.
0: have such different perceptions, right? And they may have a perception that I don't see, and I want to know. And so, yeah.
1: And then when they say it, and it jumps out at you, that's a sign that, oh, okay, that was the right. message, right? That's the, the point.
0: The other aspect of this, and I think I've spoken about this, is uh, to really define what projection is. We talk about projection in psychology, and projection is when there is something in your unconscious that you're not aware of that you then attribute to someone else. Right. So if I say, Joe Blow, he's always so angry, and I think I'm not angry, but it ha- carries a charge. If it carries a charge for me, then it is in me. And I've projected it.
1: So is it gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a really important one. <laughs> but if you want to grow and change,
0: that's how it works. Yeah. And we are spending so much time in this day and age blaming everybody else for all of their craziness. Mm-hmm. And if we just... Saw what it is that gives us a charge, then it's in us, and then we can change it in us. Right. And to me, that's so empowering. It's yes. the lack of power that really slays me. The inability, in the face of something, particularly in the
1: face of feelings. Absolutely. And I think that's it's. While it is a gut punch to think, oh, that thing that was bothering me so much is is actually in me. <laughs> That can be pretty, pretty hard to deal with. But as soon as you do, there's an immense amount of relief available because before I was just so frustrated and powerless, believing that it was this person. And oh, so that means I need to either like cut this person out of my life or change this person or just maybe make them be a different way, you know, whatever it is, rather than recognizing, wait a second, this is within me. Now I can actually clear it in a way that this person can. Change or not, it doesn't matter. But I get to feel better within yeah, myself. Yeah, and that's, that to me is,
0: I've talked about regulation over all of these podcasts. That to me is a form of self-regulation. Mm. I mean, it's not in the typical way that it's defined, but I'm unregulated if I'm ticked off that somebody else is ticked off. Right. And if I own it and look inside of myself, and I can use that other person as a teacher and watch them and say, oh, that's in me because it's really bothering me. Yeah. And if we all did that, can you imagine how different the world would be?
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: If I say some congressman or a president or something is, oh, he drives me crazy, he's like senile or whatever. What part of me is senile? What part am I not looking at? Why does it have such a charge for me?
1: Right.
0: I'm so functionally oriented because as a physical therapist, that's what we always deal with is function. And for me, if what I'm seeing, thinking, doing isn't functioning then it's useless. So I tried over time to make all of this stuff functional to change myself.
1: Right. And it makes total sense in this context of self, you experienced what it felt like to not know how to have skill and function and everything. So you like, as you just shared that you've spent this time gathering resources, gathering information, integrating that information, creating this model to help yourself and then help others. And I think it's so impactful and valuable. So, thank you so much for sharing it.
0: Thank you, Rebecca.
1: I'd love to take a moment and thank anyone who's rated and reviewed and subscribed to this podcast. We appreciate it so much. It may not seem like it's a very big deal to you, but it very much is to us, and we appreciate every single one. Thank you.